House Flipping HQ Podcast, Episode 32. Every day you make offers, and suddenly an ARV. MLS seems forever It never goes The way you feel And this is flipping In every single day Properties go away Frustration But if you don't give up Find a turn of luck. Then you'll find a turn of luck. Listen close to this podcast. Learn a lot. All you got. Read the blog and make some contacts. It's up to you. HFHQ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast. This is not Justin Williams, obviously. This is Mark Moran. I'm the director of online operations at HQ.com. And Justin asked me to get in here really quick and just share with you some information about the next webinar that we're going to be holding. This is the House Flipping webinar where Justin shares a bit about the whole house flipping machine. He'll pick a part of the machine uh, and how he runs his business and share sort of the intricacies of how that's done in the webinar. The next one will be on March 27th. That's Thursday, exactly two weeks from when this podcast comes out. And this time it will be at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern or 9 a.m. Hawaii, um, 1 p.m. Mountain, 2 p.m. Central. And he's going to dive deep into this whole house flipping puzzle that a lot of us are confused by. Um, He's also going to talk a little bit about the house flipping mastermind and how that's going uh, because it's really exploding. It's amazing the amount of uh, action that the members are taking and and how well they're doing with their house flipping journey. And then at the end, as always, he'll open it up for Q&A and you can ask any question about house flipping you have. So whatever you want to know about house flipping, you go in there, and you ask him and he'll answer it. And he takes his time. He doesn't shortchange the answers. So we really hope we see you there. If you want to register for the webinar, uh, reserve a space, just go to houseflippinghq.com slash webinar, W-E-B-I-N-A-R, houseflippinghq.com slash webinar. We really hope we see you there. And uh, without further ado, we're going to get started with this interview. And uh, here is Justin. All right, everybody. I am super pumped. It's been a long time coming. It's been a couple weeks since we've been trying to get Mike on the call with my technical difficulties, but we finally have him. Today's podcast episode is going to be dedicated to just starting real estate, just getting going. In fact, that's Mike's uh, whole platform. He has a website and podcast called Just Start Real Estate, and that's why I wanted to connect with him. He's had me on his show. Great guy. Um, you know, 
every day I get a request that someone just wants to meet for lunch and pick my brain or has some questions. In fact, I was just going back and forth yesterday with a guy um, on Facebook who, who I knew from when I was younger. And he's just asking me, I just don't know how to get started. How do I get started? So this entire episode is going to be dedicated to just that, how to just get started. So without any further ado, I give you the Just Start Real Estate man himself, (laughs) Mr. Mike Simmons. How's it going, Mike? It's going great, Justin. Thank you for that introduction. That was awesome. Yeah, it's going great. So I think we're we're dedicating this podcast to the guy who contacted you, basically, right? We are, Ben. This is for (laughs) you. And I'm sorry that I kind of intentionally stopped going back and forth, but you know, this is for you, okay? So yeah. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, how much better do you get that a whole podcast dedicated to answering your question? This is your podcast on what you need to do to get started. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was like, well, where do you, you know, where do you live? What do you, you know, it's like, what do you want to do? There's like all these things. And I just could not answer his question in like a Facebook message when I was trying to do a hundred other things. So yeah, I, I, I heard a rumor that there's also this uh, really cool mastermind that's started and uh, he could probably join that and really get some help, right? You know, I may be biased, but I do believe <laughs> that for the, not only for the price, I believe it will be the best uh, house flipping mastermind group around. And for the price, it's like one 20th of most of the mastermind groups out there. So anyway. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I, awesome. I appreciate the plug on my own podcast. Like that's <laughs> that's why I invited you on. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm a podcaster, so I know. I'm I'm trying to trying to help out here and, and plug this stuff. It's always better when someone else recommends your stuff than when you do it, right? So totally, I'm I'm recommending it. Totally better. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. All right. So let's get going. T- tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, just real quick. You a little bit about your background, nothing too long. And we don't we don't want a long story. We want to get going on just starting real estate, but Quick background to know who you are, and then let's get cranking. All right, let's do it. So the background on me, I'll make this quick, and I'll tell you exactly why I do what I do and why I'm so passionate about helping uh, people who are just starting out, is I kind of got the real estate bug back in 2002. I had a, um, there was a big conference, real estate gurus coming around, and I, I went to it, and you know, I, I just got really excited about real estate. It was something that really kind of like turned me on, and I really wanted to give it a shot. And I was so fired up in 2002 to get started in real estate that I actually waited until 2008 to actually buy my first house because I was going to seminars and buying books and you know researching online. And it almost got to be easier to think about it and to fantasize than to go out there yep. and actually do the hard work. So I was scared, basically. I, I, I didn't want to make a mistake. I thought I was, you know, I felt inadequate. I like I didn't know enough. I had to read another book. I had to go to another meeting. I had to buy another course. Otherwise, how was I ever going to do this thing? And I, you know, I got kind of distracted by the bright, shiny objects. You know, everybody okay. has their own way of doing real estate and, and everyone, you know, some people are fantastic wholesalers. Some people are fantastic flippers and whatever. So, you know, you start talking to people and you get swayed. You know, you, you just yes. kind of, you're going with the wind. Every time someone tells you, you need to do it this way, you go, oh, Oh, okay, I'll do it that way. And then the next person says, no, 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 don't do it that way. Oh my God, you got to do it this way. And you go, oh, okay, I'll do it that way. And I spent probably six years doing that, just kind of floating around and going to meetings. And you know, you've been to a million, I'm sure, meetings, Justin, I know. Yep. And there's a lot of people, those meetings that talk a good game and they really seem like they know what they're talking about, but they've never done anything. Never they've done never anything. actually... They know yeah, all the not, book work, all the book smarts, but right. none of the actionable... They can talk experience. about it as, with anybody, but yeah. they just, you know, you ask them what they've done in the last month and, and it's not, it's crickets. They've not yeah. done anything. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't talking like I was doing things. I was being pretty honest. I hadn't done anything yet, but 
I just kind of sat on the sidelines for six years. And I'm really, you know, I'm super passionate about helping people in that situation because I wasn't a bad guy. I wasn't lazy. I wasn't stupid. I just couldn't get myself over the hump. I just needed a little help getting over that hump. And, you know, once you get the first house under contract and you get in there and do it and get your first check, like the floodgates open. Always. That's that's really what you need. And I listen to your podcast all the time, Justin. And I know oh, people thanks. that I've interviewed on mine and I hear that a lot. You know, it, it just like it took a long time to get to that first one. And then once you do the first one, it's like you go, oh, that was awesome. It, it wasn't so bad. I can yeah. do that. And then you get motivated. Right. But if you educate yourself for a year or two and then you get started and it takes like six months, you're burn out. Right. I mean, it's very oh, yeah. possible. So it's. Yeah. And I, and I will say in those six years, there are periods of downtime where I really wasn't pursuing it and I kind of got burned out. Yeah. Even on the, you know, you can think about something so much that you get burned out. Totally. It. So, totally. You know, and that's kind of where I was off and on getting burned out and then getting re, you know, reignited. So that's kind of my, my background. And then, you know, I got in 2008 was when I bought my first property, my wife and I, and, you know, we did it like a lot of people do it. I didn't have a private investor at the time. I didn't have, you know, a bunch of people singing my praises. So we went out and got a mortgage. We bought the house with a mortgage. We used our own private, you know, bank account and credit cards to fund the rehab. And we kind of pushed all of our chips in the middle of the table and said, this is either going to work and it's going to be great or it's not going to work. And we're going to be kind of screwed for a long time. Nice. So we did that. And, you know, it was it was great. It was, you know, just to give you some quick numbers in Michigan, it's a little different than in other areas of the country, especially in 2008. So we bought the house for forty thousand dollars. We put fifteen thousand dollars into it in rehab. And we ended up netting $15,000 at the back end. So awesome, it was man. a nice little deal, you or know, but that's a great return. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us and for our first deal, it was like a home run, you know, oh, it was, it worked out well. And then, you know, the funny thing is, is when we did that, as we were doing it, we were in a, a mastermind group, a local mastermind group. And, and one of the guys who ran it said, you know what, you guys are really doing a good job for your first house. You may not realize it, but you're doing a lot of things right, whether it's by accident or not. You need to start talking to, to, to people, to, documumenting the whole thing. And you know what? There's this new thing called Facebook um, business pages. <laughs> nice. And you need to start a business page and start putting up pictures and video and, and kind of like document this whole thing. And we did that. And based on that Facebook page and documenting and pictures and videos, and we were very like out there, like just talking to everybody about this, yeah. people started coming to us and saying, hey, we like what you're doing here on this house. Or we're interested in maybe working with you in the future if you're open to that. And we were like, heck yeah. So from that first house, that was the last time we used our own money ever to buy a house. That's awesome, man. And that's why I think guys like you and myself, we're willing to share everything about what we do because of all the great connections we make. Just oh my gosh. Up, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is exactly. I would have not gotten private investor one had I not been willing to get out there and start talking to people and telling them what I was doing. That's what you have to do. And and that's sure. where, you know, basically, you know, that networking is where everything comes from. It's That's how my entire business got started. Love it. Love it. All right, man. Let's do ready. Let's dive into the meat and potatoes here, man. What's, let's do uh, it. I, I'm brand new. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Teach me, Mike Simmons. How do I start real estate? All right. Number one, you have to devote time to this, right? This isn't something you do in a half an hour once a week and, and you're going to become rich and famous. You know, it's like anything else. It takes a lot of work. So if you're not willing to devote time to it, you're going to have a lot of troubles, right? So the first thing that you need to do when you're, when you're starting out, in my opinion, and we just talked about it, you need to get out there and start talking to people. Go to the local real estate investing meetings, start talking to people and tell them what you want to do and be honest, be yourself be personable, but be, you know, very honest. Don't act like you're something you're not because people can tell when you're not, you know, being completely honest with them about stuff. 
and just start networking. That's number one. Get out there and network. You need and to try to, to meet people. I want to add to that. Be mindful of who you tell. You know, if you're telling people who may be skeptical or naturally people who are in your family or close friends who may bring you down, maybe keep away from those guys for a while. I'm not keep away, yeah. but maybe don't talk to them about it too much because yeah. I don't know, man, it, it, that's just draining, right? But if you're at real estate clubs, if you're around the right people, uh, those guys are, they're going to be interested and then they're going to see you having success, the other people, and then they're going to ask you, <laughs> they're going to then become interested. So absolutely. And you know what? I should have clarified when I said, get out there and talk to people. I specifically meant people at real estate investing meetings. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a totally. quick funny story for you. I actually, I didn't tell anybody when I started doing real estate, I was so concerned about the naysayers, especially yeah. in my family. Not, not that they're you know negative or don't want to see me for do sure. well, but you know how it is. They, Everyone they just, has an opinion. And if they yeah. don't know about something, it's usually negative. Exactly. And think about 2008, the real estate headlines in the newspaper weren't exactly Always. like, hey, get out there and start buying houses. It was, it was horrible. So the funny, my, my quick, very, very quick funny story is my parents didn't know that we were buying and selling houses and flipping houses until a local newspaper did an article on us. <laughs> awesome. And I thought they said, Hey, do you mind if we do an article that we found you on Facebook and you know, you look like you're doing some good stuff. And I said, no, that's fine. I figured it would be a little blurb on page, you know, 18 D of buried somewhere. It was the front page of the real estate section, a full color picture on the front page. I took up half the paper. That is awesome. <laughs> my wife and I, my mom called me and said, Hey, you're in the paper. Like, yeah, that is cool. And if you look, if you do tell people, don't ask them their opinion. Okay. Yeah. Just like you, you just by listening to this podcast, or I'm assuming you've listened to other podcasts. If you're listening to this one, you know, more than 98% of the people out there about real estate investing. I promise you. Yeah. So yep. Don't feel like they, their opinion means anything. <laughs> exactly. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it, unfortunately, what most people hear about real estate, they hear from the newspapers and, and television, yes. you know, the, the news and stuff. It's, it's all negative. It's all bad. And if you listen to them, you know, the minute you put an offer on a house, you're losing money immediately. They're draining it out of your account. So totally. um, don't, okay. don't even listen to that. So number so, one, anyways, go to your local real estate investment clubs, start talking to people, tell them what you're looking for, tell them what you're, what you're trying to do. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I've heard you talk about it before, Justin, too. It, you know, the, the name of the game when you're starting out is massive action. Yes. Just massive action. Yep. You know, um, you're better off going going 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction than just sitting still and doing nothing. So totally. um, I, massive action is huge. So that's number one is you want to start networking and, and talking to people who are really doing it and try to you know, politely steer clear from the people that really aren't doing it. And, and you'll, you'll figure that out fairly quickly. You know, you start asking questions. And then, you know, look, if they're, I always tell people like, Hey, if you're new and someone else is new and you're both trying to learn and you got, look, then you got a buddy who you can call and spring ideas off of all the time. You know, if yeah. someone's doing like a ton of deals, you may not be able to just like have their number and call them anytime you want. So you can still learn from those other people just don't make sure it's not like a naysayer or you're not learning the wrong things. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I made a lot of friends when I started going to different real estate investing clubs and they're friends that I still have. And, and I've interviewed a couple of them on my podcast, actually, who are doing really, really good stuff. And they started at the same time as I did. But awesome. I also met people at these meetings who were doing it currently at the time. They, you yeah. know, 
Maybe yeah. they weren't flipping a hundred houses a year, but they were, you know, they had a nice little business going and they really knew what they were talking about in my local area. And Mike, how do you, some people have a hard time approaching those people. They think, you know, how can I talk to this person or how do you make that relationship? How do you make yourself valuable to them enough to where they want to talk to you? I mean, how, just let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's tough. Uh, I'm not a natural networker. I, I'm not comfortable with it naturally. It's funny because I have a podcast. Yeah, I'm surprised. You seem I'm, very... I'm telling you, my wife and I both, we, we, that was something we really struggled with in the beginning is we'd go to these meetings and we'd sit there and talk to each other yeah. and, and we wouldn't make any, any contacts with anybody. So it was really hard for me. Here's the best way it, that I have found. And it's, it, maybe this isn't a great answer, Justin, and maybe it's not what you're looking for, but I'm going to tell you what worked for me. And, and I don't this know is, what I'm looking for. So <laughs> I, <have laughs> okay. no I, I wish I could, if I wish I could give you the top 10 tips on how to be a great networker uh, right yeah. off the bat. And I mean, first of all, you need, first of all, dress nicely when you go to these things. That was advice that was given to me. Don't wear flip flops and shorts and t shirt. That's my personal opinion. You don't have to be in a three-piece suit, but dress nicely and smile and, and be personable. But more than that, what worked for me was when I got out there and actually started taking action, it was much, much easier for me to talk to people and have people yeah. open up and want to talk to me because yep. you know, Justin, how many people will waste your time and they're never, ever, ever going to get off their couch and do anything. They just want to waste some of your time and talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. I found when I started taking action and doing and making offers and things, that was what I talked to people about, where I was making offers, the kind of houses yeah. I was looking at, you know, and some of the things that I was encountering, that opens up the floodgate of conversation. And from there, it's very easy. Well, number one, you know more about what you're talking about, but you're also adding value to yourself. I mean, exactly. if you're just the wannabe newbie guy who has never done anything at all, sure, still go talk to people because you got to start somewhere, right? But... Once you start making those offers and taking that action and learning a little more, then you're adding, I call it the network ladder. You know, we all start way down here and don't know anything, but the more you know, the more people want to talk to you because they yeah. want to learn from you. And then you just, you keep working with your peers and then you learn it from someone who's maybe a couple rungs above the network ladder and then you just keep climbing it. And then before you know it, it's like, I mean, today I had a phone conversation with Tony Alvarez, with Robert Fergoso, with Ryan Scala, and I'm talking to Mike Simmons. I mean, those are like all like, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Like, anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Hey, I'm glad I got to. And know, I still feel like, I don't know. I still feel like I'm like a new guy. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> but I'm like, I guess, you know, it's, those are my colleagues now. So it's pretty cool yeah. to look back and think, wow, like, anyway, I'm the yeah, man. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you are the man. Oh, that's how it sounds. Anyway. All right. I'll, we'll get back on track here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay. So I guess my basic point is that people are attracted to action takers. And if you're an action taker, even if it's just beginning action, you will attract people to you. You know, people will want to talk to you. They'll be willing to talk to you. I know for me, if, if I'm at a, at a meeting, a local real estate investing meeting, and someone comes up to me and says, hey, I made three offers last week, and this is what I'm doing, and this is what I want to do, and it looks like they're really action takers, I'll spend time with them. I think yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. You know, But if it's someone like, hey, I've been looking at this, I've been thinking about it for the past six or seven years, I've never really done anything, I'll still <laughs> talk to them. I won't ignore them, but I'm going to spend a little less time. Yeah, you want to you know, move I, on to people who are going to be more fruitful to, to working together with. Yep. So. And I, you know, I use that to my advantage too. When I'm trying to talk to someone who maybe I look at as someone who's even, you know, more successful than, than me or you or whatever, somebody who's, you know, just doing things that I really admire, I'm going to let them know what I'm up to, what totally. I'm doing and try to break the ice that way. And, you know, I want to not, I want to show them I'm not wasting their time as well. One other little thing, I remember the first meeting I went to, I didn't know anybody and it's kind of, you know, it's not as fun when you don't know anybody, but the second time I'm like, Hey, I, I recognize that guy. I know. Okay. And then after yep. a few meetings, 
I started to get to know these guys and it's a lot more enjoyable when you know them. So give yourself time. Don't just like go to one and be like, oh, I didn't feel uncomfortable and, and then not go back. So. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I will say this, too, and this was really a big thing for me. And I, you know, I struggled with it. But if you're not and, and I, I I know I just heard this on your podcast, Justin, so maybe you're getting in my brain, too. But if you're <laughs> not uncomfortable, if yeah. you're not putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, you are absolutely not trying, in absolutely. my opinion. Absolutely. I was so uncomfortable. And, you know, after I started flipping my first few houses and things were starting to roll for me a little bit, I got invited to speak at local, you know, real estate investing clubs in my area. And the thought of getting on stage and like giving a presentation was scary. And I, you know, the night of or the day of, I just had this pit in my stomach and I thought, I, I just don't want to do this. Yeah. I really don't want to do this, but I forced myself to do it. And I'm telling you, every time I did it, really good things happen. Really yeah, good things happen. It goes happen. with everything in life. I remember the first podcast, I remember preparing for like hours and so scared and nervous. And with you right now, I'm like, oh, got a podcast interview in like two minutes, time to hop on. <laughs> yeah, so, yep. yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and it, that stuff still makes me nervous. I mean, like I said, I do a podcast too and I, I get, you know, I get a little butterflies and things when I'm doing it. I want to do a yeah, good job yeah, and I want to reach sure. people and, and give them value. But if you're not in that position, if you're not constantly putting yourself in a position of being uncomfortable, you're probably not really trying. So yep. Yep. I think that's that's really key for new real estate investors. And luckily, almost everything makes you nervous when you're new. You yeah, know, putting yeah. in an offer makes you nervous and going to meetings makes you nervous. So there's going to be plenty that's going to make you nervous. But without massive action, without being a little nervous, you're just never probably going to make it happen in this. It's it's a people business. You have to get comfortable with talking to people. Um, it was a struggle for me, but it's it's key. Even, you know, you, Justin, you're you're flipping an ungodly amount of houses, but you still have to you have to talk to people. You know, if you want your business to go to the next level, you've got to you've got to continuously talk to people. Yep, so right. that, I mean, that's that's key. So other than that, let's just get down to the nuts and bolts maybe of, OK, what that's great. But what exactly do I do when I'm starting out? Let's do it. I would say, number one, you need to find an agent, a real estate investing agent right off the bat that'll work with you. That That is someone who can send you leads because without leads, you're, you don't have a real estate investing business. You have to start generating leads. And there's a lot of ways you can generate leads, but probably one of the first and easiest ways to, to kind of get started is to start calling realtors, contacting them, telling them what you want to do, giving them your criteria and see if they'd be willing to work with you as a real estate investor. And if they get it, sometimes they just don't get the whole real estate investing thing. So you have to educate them a little bit. So let's talk about realtors. I actually, that's one of the things I wrote down. First off, first question for you, do I need my real estate license personally? No, you don't. I don't think you need your real estate license. I don't have mine. I've never really considered. I mean, I've considered it, but I've never seriously considered getting it. Um, I know a lot of real estate investors have their license and they, they swear by it. I personally don't think it's necessary at all. It's not something I would worry about. And you know, my, my wife has hers. And so people are like, oh, your wife has hers. So it's like you have yours. I'm like, you know, probably use it like once a month. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, it's not, that's a, that's a, you know, it's, that's a function that someone else can do for you. And it's not necessarily going to make a huge difference to your business. So I wouldn't, to me, that's something where you're not really getting a lot of value out of it. If that's where you're spending your time okay. in the beginning, I wouldn't and I'm worry 50, about 50, 50 on that question when people ask me. And it's, once again, it depends on the person, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you do you need data? Yes. But if you have the right person on your team who is a realtor who can give you that data and who understands the values of homes in their area, then it should be covered, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Getting your real estate investors, uh, I'm sorry, your real estate, your realtor's license doesn't necessarily make you knowledgeable about a lot of different areas. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have a license, but it doesn't make you an expert. And so I guess one of my concerns for people who 
sure, if they could snap their fingers and have their license, I'd say great. But once again, it's the, sure. we're dealing with the whole burnout thing. And your whole thing is just get started, right? And me too. I'm like, yep. look, yep. if you don't have your license now and you want to start working on that, great. You know, whatever's you're taking action, moving forward, keep going. But don't let that stop you from getting out there and making offers. I mean, you got to learn. I don't know. You just got to keep pushing forward before you get burnout. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, you know, that's part of it too, Justin. That's kind of my mindset is, you know, people have a lot of energy in the beginning, right? Like when you're running a race, you know, people tend to start out running a little too fast and then, you know, partway in or halfway through, they're just, they're dying, they're gassing. So I know that when people are starting out in real estate investing, and I was the same way, you just tons of energy, tons of enthusiasm. Yes. And if you put that energy enthusiasm toward something like getting your real estate license, yeah, you're right. You're moving forward, like you said, and you're, you're taking action, but you're expending a lot of energy on something that isn't necessarily yes. critical in the beginning. Yes. So I wouldn't focus personally. I would, I would advise not to do that in the beginning. And, and if someone you eventually wants to do that or someone yeah. on their team, great. Yeah, great. exactly. And yep. you know what? Through your networking that you do and meeting people and talking, you're very likely to run into someone who does have their license, who's willing to work with you, maybe, you know, kind of help you out comping out houses and things like that. But in the beginning, I would start calling realtors and sort of interviewing them and finding out, you know, what they're willing to do for you. Okay. So here's another one I get a lot. How about entity? Do I need to go set up an entity right away? I don't, I don't want to, I'm okay. I'm not a real, I'm not a lawyer, yeah, but I say I'm going to, I'm going to say no, I, I wouldn't do that. Thing. I say the same thing. Yeah. I worked for a while without one. It, you know, yeah, if you're flipping, you know, two houses, three houses, four houses a month, you need to do it eventually sure. just for tax purposes but and things. once again, just go get started. Oh, it's just such a huge waste of time in my opinion. Yeah, it doesn't take long. It's not a big deal. Just forget it. You know what? And while we're on the subject of things you don't necessarily yeah, have to do day it. one, let's, let's just forget about business cards right okay. away. I, I love I, it. You want to network, I but totally you know agree. what? Write down your, your and name. And we're not your saying like someone like a month later was like, I really wish I could get business cards. I'm like, then freaking get them. Like, I'm not <laughs> yeah. telling you not to ever get a business card. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just exactly. saying like, don't have the list of to-do items that are not going to make you money in this business. If you have a list of building a website, getting an entity, getting your real estate license, you got the 20 books that someone said you have to read. Like, okay, like don't blame me when you don't, you know, go get some deals because you're doing a hundred things that aren't really going to get you a deal. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and it seems counterintuitive because I'm telling you to go out there and network. And at the same time, I'm saying, don't get business cards. Here's why I know I've done this in the past. I've been guilty. And I, I know a lot of people have, you, you go to an event, you collect, you know, 20 business cards, you have them in your pocket, you go home, you throw them in a drawer, you close the drawer, never open it again, never look at those business cards. You know what? Be, first of all, be memorable. Be interesting, be memorable, but get other people's business cards and you call them. Don't yeah. don't wait for people to call you anyway. So forget the business card, forget t-shirts. You know, nobody cares what totally. your business is called. Nobody cares about a cool logo. It's such a waste of time. Um, you know, that go stationary, just forget all that stuff. Just okay. you need to get out there and start taking action and forget about all the other stuff. Okay. So I hear you say taking action. I'm thinking, well, I am doing all this stuff. It is action. Okay. Tell me what kind of action I need to take. So we got first, like get out there, start networking, go to the clubs, talk to people. I would say simultaneously because most clubs are like once a month, right? So don't yeah. wait a month and then wait yeah. another month. Like what else right. do I need to be doing? Contacting an agent, right? That's what you said, right? Yep. Yeah. I would contact agents and try to find it one or two that are willing to work with you and will send you qualified leads, not just crazy leads from cities that you don't care about. But you know what? In order to get a real estate agent to be very, very, you know, to work with you well and be valuable to you, you have to give them good information, right? You have to tell them what cities, what zip codes, what areas you're looking. You need to be very specific about the kind of house that you're interested in in buying and rehabbing or whatever you're going to do to it, wholesaling or flipping. 
be very specific. Tell them I need, you know, it needs to have three bedrooms. It needs to be at least a thousand square foot. It needs to be brick. And everybody's area is a little different. For me, I want it to have a basement, but I know like probably out where you are, basements aren't no, as big no, a deal. There are no, there are right? no basements really. I mean, exactly. Not very so many. <laughs> we don't have earthquakes in Michigan. So we have basements here. So that's, that's critical. You know, not on a main road. You don't want to buy a house on a main road that you're going to try to flip because most people will shy away from houses on main roads if they have kids or if they're elderly or whatever. It's just less desirable. So, you know, things like that are very critical that you let the realtor know. So you're getting, you know, because they're still going to send you stuff that probably you're not interested in, but you have to chisel it down to things and the types of houses that you want. And, you know, furthermore, go ahead, Jess. I can see you're going to say something, but I'm I'm, I'm getting out of the way. No, you're good. It's good. Let me back you up one second. How do I go about? contacting these realtors this is one of the main questions i get in fact somebody just yesterday asked me how do you go about contacting them and and then then we'll keep going with what you're talking about all right so you know that my answer could be different than your answer and there's a thousand different ways you can go about you know skinning a cat but i'll tell you what i did in the beginning this is this is what i can tell you worked for me is i went on to realtor.com and i started looking at houses in my target market the area that i wanted to work And I started making a list because on the right-hand side of the screen there, you'll see all the realtors that you can contact about that property. So I went and started looking at property after property after property that met my criteria in the city that I wanted to work. And I started taking notes and writing down all the realtors that that showed up on the page when I did that. And then once I was done looking at, I mean, tons of like 30 houses, I found that there were realtors that showed up over and over and over again. So I found like the top five that showed up over and over and over again. Awesome. And I called them all and I set up, uh, I, I went into a house that was a, a house that was very um, much the kind of house that I would want to purchase and, and renovate and rehab. So I called them, I invited them out to that house and I had the lockbox code, I should say. I had a friend who was a realtor who could give me the lockbox code. So it's tough if you're with a realtor, but I brought him out there and said, this is the kind of house that I buy. And I just interviewed him basically and said, how many houses do you sell in this area per month? How long have you been doing it? What can you tell me about the area? And I basically interviewed these these realtors until I found the one that I was the most comfortable with, that seemed like they knew what they were talking about, that seemed like they'd be easy to work with. And I'm still using that realtor today. I still use it. I love that, Mike. That is great. So what is realtor.com for those for anyone out there who doesn't know? Uh, I mean, realtor.com is the website you can go to to find houses for sale. And you can also find, like I said, realtors there. Um, but it's basically just a website where you find houses for sale for rent. You know, um, I don't, you know, in the beginning, I kind of use them to try to figure out what houses are worth. I don't do that anymore. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a, it's a great website way people houses. can find houses that are for sale. In sure. Their it's, area a, it's a and, great and, way to find houses for sale. And what agents are selling those houses. Correct. Yep, and exactly. I love that because sometimes people talk about, they put agents, I hear it all the time. Agents are like this. Contractors are like this. I'm like, look, these are people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're a person. I'm a person. We're all very different. You cannot assume that every realtor is the same. I would say over 50% of realtors aren't even active. But if yeah. you talk to one, they might talk to you and because they're trying to make a commission, right? So like you were saying, you've got to find the right one. And you're automatically weeding out 75% of all realtors by doing exactly what you said and calling the ones that you know are active, right? Yep. And I think that will mean something to them because you're calling them, say, hey, I saw a bunch of your listings, Bob, you know, you've done some work and you, you've researched them. And anyway, that's good. Right. And, you know, the best way to find out if you've got the right realtor or if you're, you're talking to the right man or woman uh, is once you talk to them and, and you, you have that first contact, you tell them what you're looking for, you ask them to start sending you leads. 
if they don't start sending you leads, obviously they're not, you know, they're, they're really not, not the they're not that serious. They're not the one. Or if they just keep sending you crap leads that don't match your criteria, they're not the one. And I would say, don't waste your time. Just, just move on. They're not, yeah. they're not interested in working with you, obviously. So, you know, like you said, they're people and there are good realtors and there are bad realtors and, and you need to find a good realtor. And the way you know is they're willing to work with you. You know, they're willing to put in a little bit of time and effort to, to give you what you're looking for. But, you know, I will say this, that there's a certain amount of patience that they're going to have with you yes. and you can only use them to, to send you leads and answer your questions for so long before they expect you to start making offers exactly. and buying houses. I was going to say, also recognize that you are not like this God investor and they're the, you know, little realtor who's going to do every you. I mean, you got to make it a win-win. You got to make it work for them too. So I see a lot of times it is the realtor, but almost, I would say almost just as much, if not more, I think it's the investor who yeah. expects the world from this realtor, but hasn't really, they're not paying them anything. You know, they haven't proven to them anything yet. Right. And these yep. guys get calls like this a lot. So you've got to be at least making offers. You've got to be taking action. Um, yeah. And you know what? It's okay if you go through a few because you're going to learn a ton after you go through those few realtors. Like by your fourth one, you're going to sound a lot more knowledgeable, right? Absolutely. So, and, I, and I would say, you know, real estate is, is kind of a, a local thing. And you should you just make sure you treat people That's right. True. Definitely. You know, you're going to go through realtors. You're absolutely right. Um, but if you don't, if you stop using a realtor, you don't want to burn bridges and be a bad guy or, yeah. or lady. You need to, you know, treat people with respect so you don't get a bad name. Yeah. Okay. Good point. So, you know, that's number one. The other, you know, the other thing that can really make or break a real estate investor, a new one especially, is working with the right contractors. And I don't know if you're ready to jump all the way to a contractor. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you one more question really quick. So I have so many people, I don't, I'm like, have I ever taught you this? Because they're always like, I met with the realtor and when I explained to them what I was doing and how I was going to wholesale properties, they just got confused and didn't, they all, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I'm like, why were you explaining to them that you're wholesale? I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> why don't, how about just have them send you some houses to make offers on, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, So you wouldn't recommend people like necessarily get into too much detail about all the details of what they're planning on doing in that regard, right? I mean, no, I, I think the point of it is, is the more detailed you are with the types of houses that yes, you're want to buy, houses, yeah. the least detailed you have to be about what you're going to do after exactly. they send you the listing. So, you know, but if you're real vague, yeah, it's going to be tough for them to know what you're trying to do. But, you know, so you let just them know what specific. you're trying to buy. You don't necessarily need to give them like your entire three day seminar on wholesaling and how this is going to work. And then, you know, there's six ways to do a wholesale deal. And, you know, it's like, okay, just have them send you properties and give them yeah. details on what you're looking for. And then, yeah. And I got a newsflash. They really don't care if you're going to wholesale it or exactly. what you're going to do with it. If exactly. you're living it for 50 years, they just don't care because they don't care. You know, it's their part of the business is, is they find houses, they send them to you and then they get a commission when you buy that. Yes. That's really what their interest level is. And if you're buying five houses from them a month, you're a really good customer for yeah. them. If you're buying one a year, you're a so-so customer yep. for them. I mean, it's, you know, and, and, you know, they're running a business too, I guess, is the bottom totally. line. Okay, cool. I like it. So let's talk about um, contest. So you're saying it's best to start with agents. Uh, in your opinion, you don't necessarily need to go out there and start doing a bunch of direct mail or other marketing strategies. What's your take on that? I mean, it's, yeah, direct mail is great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the first thing you should do. You know, I think that maybe is like the third or fourth thing you might want to do. Maybe right. you have to do your first one and you, you get a check. Maybe you yeah. want to allocate yeah. some of that toward marketing and things. Because what I tell people, is I said, there's a big learning curve. So yeah. if you're spending thousands of dollars on direct mail and not getting any deals, like that's pretty tough. Now, don't get me wrong. Hey, I know lots of people have started that way and done well. 
So we're just kind of giving you kind of a Mike Simmons. And then, you know, I, I always like to give my input as well, but <laughs> kind of our take on, <laughs> on a way you can just get started and then you yeah. kind of adjust and go from there and accordingly to your own personality and whatever. So okay. yeah, there's a hundred ways to get started in this yeah. business. We're okay. giving you one right now. Okay, so we're cool. Okay. Contractors. Yep. So the next, I mean, I, I know if it's the next thing, but another very important critical part of your business is going to be contractors, right? And, and Justin, you work with contractors and you know, as well as I do, a good contractor can, can be great and it can, it can make yep. you money and a bad contractor. And Mike can did a great up. post on our website at housewifinghq.com on working with contractors that we'll put in the show notes. So. Ah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So contractors, right? Contractors get a bad name and a lot of people trash them and, you know, oh my God, contractors are the worst. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. And again, it's like the realtor, you know, they're running a business and yeah. if you make it worth their while and it's a win-win situation, you'll be all right. And if you treat people right, you know, you can't necessarily take the approach that you see on some television shows where they're flipping houses and they're screaming at contractors <laughs> and, you know, firing one, you know, every other day. You know, that's that's yeah, great for TV, but I, I don't think I've ever drama. yelled at a contract. I've never yelled at one of my contractors. Okay, yeah. I've never had to yell, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. So finding contractors, this is a technique that I used again when I was starting out and it, and it worked well for me is I found a house that was in my target market that met my criteria that clearly was in, in need of rehab. It was a foreclosure. And the, again, I'm going to tell you what I did and then I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't do exactly what I did anymore. It was probably a bad idea, but it, it ended up working, but there's other ways to do it. So I put an ad on Craigslist saying, looking for a contractor to do a total uh, house rehab. And I put my number on there and within 15 minutes, my, my phone blew up, you know, all my, my voicemail was full. It was, it was a disaster, but I did listen to the voicemails and I called like 10 of these guys and I invited them out to a house. I had an appointment to look at a house. It was, it was a foreclosed house, brought them out there and I walked through there with them and just kind of stepped through what I would want to do to the house. I didn't tell them I had the house. I said, it's a house that I'm considering buying. And I need to get some numbers. And I brought them all through at the same time. And the reason I did that is prior to that, I had made appointments, individual appointments with contractors. And I gave myself like a 15 to 20 minute cushion between appointments with these contractors. And I had 10 of them set up. And wouldn't you know, of the 10 contractors that were supposed to be there, like two showed up and they were like hours apart. So I was stuck at this house for hours and it was kind of a big disaster. I said, I'm never going to do that again. So I, this time, the second time, I created an appointment for all 10 contractors at the exact same time. They all showed up or most of them showed up and I walked through it with the, the what I wanted to do to the house or what I envisioned the rehab would, would look like. And they all went through at the same time. They all asked questions and had you know specific concerns or whatever. And okay. So anyways, I got all their bids in and basically sifted and sorted that way. And it, the great thing about it was, number one, it created a sense of competition. They knew that there were other contractors quoting on the job. And I was able to get questions answered once and I didn't have to keep going back and, and answering the same question for different contractors. So through that process, I actually found a great contractor that I used for like three or four years after that. And it, it worked out really, really well. You know, Mike, I, I love that because it reminds me of, you know, before I was married, all these blind dates I would go on. And usually within like one minute or two minutes, I would know I didn't want to date this girl. I still spend the, you know, go on the yeah. date with her. So yep. <laughs> 
Can you imagine if you could do a blind date and go like ten girls at the same time? Just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I go. This is this is my name. You know, and then this pick is who the one I am. You want. This is, yeah. This is what I like to do. So yeah. And you, they could just start. Awesome, you know. Man. And and I had contractors that didn't really follow me throughout the house. They sort of lingered in the back and didn't ask yeah. questions. That's fine. Because yeah. you know what, I would have wasted probably a half an hour to forty five minutes on that person yes. if they would have come by themselves. So. You know, through the process, I found three or four that were very serious about getting the job and they gave me great quotes and, and, I, and I went from there and it worked out really, really well. But like I said, if nothing else, it, it just showed them that, hey, other people are bidding on this job and, and you know, I, I better give them a good quote. You know, I bet you learned a ton about rehabbing houses from that one experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because everyone had their own questions. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where I think some of them wanted to you know, make sure that everyone else knew they knew what they were talking about. Yeah. So they would start asking me very technical questions about the rehab. And yeah, I was kind of clueless a little bit, but you're right. I learned a lot about that. And then when you got those bids, I'm sure it just gave you a really good idea of what things cost to fix up. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. I I really had a great idea of where this house was going to be if I would have rehab it. And guess what? That house was very, very much like most of the houses that I've rehabbed before and since. So I know, you know, I, from that one experience, I really got a good feel for what it should cost to rehab a house in my target market in that condition. And frankly, foreclosed houses a lot of times are in very similar condition. Okay. So for finding a contractor, you put it out on Craigslist, you gave him your number. What would you do differently? Maybe give him an email, like a, a different email. <laughs> yeah. I That's what put- I do. Whenever I put it out on, on yeah. Craigslist, I make a new email. Like when I hire an assistant, <laughs> yep. I'll make a new email that I don't have to use after a week, you know? So. Yep, exactly. I do the exact same thing. I make a brand new email because, cool. yeah, give, putting your number out there is not not the best idea in the world. Uh, but just, I was, I was yeah, new. I was naive. Calls. And you know what? Probably. I look at it as I was just taking action and I was yeah, trying to figure absolutely. it out and I made a mistake. Absolutely. So. You were learning and you have a chance to get paid to learn, right? So, absolutely. Okay. So, were you, did you want these guys to be like licensed and insured or were you not worried about that? Do you know, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I did want to be licensed and insured. Um, did you yeah, do any so, kind of like pre-screening on the phone? I did not do any pre-screening on the phone. Matter of fact, I set up some of them through a phone call, but some of them left their email address. So I just emailed them and gave them the particulars on where the house was okay. and what time I wanted them to meet. But you told them like on the phone that you wanted them to be licensed and insured or not until later? You didn't worry about that until later? No. Matter of fact, that was part of my Craigslist ad. I had criteria oh, for so food. Okay. Apply. So you eliminated. What did the ad say more or less? Like what could, okay, bam, I'm going to need to get a, I got a house, Mike. You wait to get this house under contract before no. you have these guys come out. Okay, no, before. No. Okay, great. No, before. Matter of fact, like I said, I didn't even I didn't even have an offer in on the house. Honestly, wow. I, I was so you looking used at a this house. house. This house you used this house for realtors for contractors. You used it yeah. to find your whole team. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know what? I didn't tell them I had the house. I just said that I'm considering buying this house. Yeah. So it it was honest, it, but you know, I just I didn't want to wait. And this is kind of goes back to the blog post that you referenced that I wrote. You really you can't wait until after you have a deal, you know, under contract to figure everything out. Like if you can do some things ahead of time, you should do that. And I think contractors are something you can start creating, you know, a, a short list of of people that you'd be interested in ahead of time. And then when you get a house house under contract, take the three or four that really seem to kind of you connected with them. They look like they knew what they were doing, and they they sound a professional. And bring them into the one that you actually have under contract, and let them all three bid on it. You know, you know I, so I you think- can't sift through. I think there's a lot of things, and I am one of those, I will jump dive headfirst into a pool with the pool totally empty, right? So I personally would put a house under contract and then figure it out, but I'm crazy like that, okay? So I'm glad we're having this interview because not everybody's like me. Well, so, here's the thing. I, 
Yeah, you're right. And I, and I think that that's, there's, that's a cool way to go. My thing is I'm super impatient. So I wanted to Perfect. get everything done. If I could get something in two days, I wanted to get it done in two days, you know, it, not wait for a house to be in a contract. So for me, it was more impatience than being afraid of getting a house yes. because I was making bids at the time. It's just, I didn't have anything under contract. So what I would say is there's a lot of things you can do simultaneously. You know, you find out when your meeting, your monthly meetings are, you start going to those at the same time you're networking and talking to everyone, you're contacting agents and you find an agent or two, right? You're meeting out this, yep. this special house that you've got the lockbox code to that <laughs> you don't have under contract. And then, and then it's like, okay, so now this agent is out working for you. Technically, they're looking for deals, yep. sending you stuff. It's like, okay, now I'm going to contact some contractors, but it's not like, you feel like you have to have all of these things in place before you ever make an offer, correct? No, not okay, at all. Cool. I was I doing it all at the same that. time. Okay, yeah, that's like that. that's a good point. That's a good point. I was doing it all at the same time. I couldn't stand the thought of waiting till I got an offer accepted to to start looking for a contractor. Yeah, I wanted good. to start sifting I like immediately. I like that. Okay, cool. So, what so else? yeah, um, yeah, like like you said, everything should be it, that you can do at the same time. It should be all done at the same time. You can do a lot of the stuff all in the same week, and you really should do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at that point, you know, you, you need to start making offers, obviously. I mean, that's the name of the game. And I know you're a huge uh, fan of making offers and, and finding a good deal and worrying about getting the money that offer the club, man. Yep. Getting yep the offer absolutely. Club. And, you know, through the networking, through talking to people, you know, all that kind of thing. If you find a good deal, if you find a deal that's really, really solid, you're right. You will find someone who's willing to to either invest as a private investor or someone who's at least willing to partner with you. And, and I can't stress enough the value of partnering with people in the beginning. Don't think that, you know, there's a certain amount of money to be made and you have to make every penny of it or you yeah, failed. Good luck. You know? If that's your mindset, you're done. Yeah, <laughs> <Quit> it, <now. laughs> it's, it's, this game isn't for the real greedy, you know, especially in the beginning. You need to be very willing to share the team wealth. Sport. Team sport. It's a team sport. Absolutely. And I can say for, for a fact that after my first deal, which we, I said we did all on our own, after that, it was all partnerships and, and profit splits and things like that for a long time for me. And that was great. It worked out well. It was a win-win situation. And like I said, I've not, I've not used my own money since that first deal. And a lot of my early deals were just profit splits. Somebody who had money and they're willing to put it up, they don't have the time and the knowledge to buy and, and rehab houses. So we did that part and we split the profits and you know, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, I love it. So, okay, so where are we at? Uh, we we are at contractors. We just found our short list of contractors. Okay, so we've got this short list of contractors. We've contacted an agent. The agent's sending us offers. We're going yep. to clubs. We're networking. What else do I need to do? Uh, I, I mean, for me at that point, you need to be making offers, okay. right? You need to, you need to go through the the listings that's being sent to you and, and start making offers. And frankly, the the big thing that I don't know if we talked about it is. The, the agent that you're using, when they're sending you offers, they need to understand that you, when you look at these listings that they're sending of these leads, that you're going to come back to them with a handful of them that you need some after repair values. You know, you need to know what these things are going to be worth after, after they're renovated. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have my agent send me a list of properties that basically need work, right? I mean, is that yep. what it boils down to? That kind of meet the criteria yeah. of what I'm looking for. Maybe like you said, over a thousand square feet. Um, certain, maybe a certain age, certain location, maybe I don't want it to a bus next to a busy street type thing. They're going to send me some properties and I'm going to say, okay, these ones are great. I like out of the eight you sent me, I like these five. Um, can you send me an after repaired value? But an agent usually isn't going to know what that means, right? Yeah. That, and that goes along with the education that I talked about in the beginning. You have to educate them on what you're looking for 
And then you're going to have to educate them about a couple of key things. And after repair value to me is, is like really key. Yeah. I mean, that's everything, right? That's depending on how you run your numbers, that's where you start. And then you work backward from there. At least that's how I do it. So yeah, after repair value. And that's, you know, the critical thing is a lot of realtors, when they give you comps, they're going to throw in their, the foreclosures and yes. the, and the, and the crappy houses along with the great houses. And, and that they, after repair value is that's worthless. Their average. Yeah. 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 It's super worthless. So you need to educate them. And after repair value is, uh, the value of the house after it's been fully rehabbed, right? So you can't compare that house to a foreclosed house and and you, you don't want your realtor to talk you into doing that because that's not accurate for yes. you. Yeah. You need to be comparing it to houses that will look like your house when it's done. And you know the way you do that is you, you need to go into the listing and look at the pictures and see what the house looks like. You know, if yeah. it looks like it, you know, was abandoned 30 years ago, yes. then that's not a, that's not a good uh, it's not a good comp. So okay, cool. it's going to reduce the the amount of comps that you're using, but that's fine because they're going to be more qualified comps. Okay, so the agent is going to send the after repair value. Uh, on these properties. Okay. Yep. And then, and then you, how do you go about making an offer from there? Uh, you mean in terms of figuring out how to offer or yeah, just the, look, the goal how, is to okay. make an offer, right? I'm new. I don't yeah, know, yeah, Mike, yeah, yeah. you tell okay, me gotcha. I'm new. So how do I make <laughs> right. an offer? I mean, I, okay. You said I have the agent send me the properties and the ARVs. Yep. How do I make an offer now? Okay. So there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. And I think that a lot of, of places will give you rules of thumb. Like <clears throat> one of them is you take the after repair value times 70% or 0.7 and then subtract the rehab. And that's basically what you're going to offer. And that's a fine rule of thumb, I guess. Um, but you know, to me, the way I do it is I take the after repair value. And then I, instead of doing 70%, I like to factor in what I want to make on a house. So if my target is to make $20,000, if that's just my goal to make on a house, I basically work backward until I get to that 20,000 in what I want to offer. So if the house, let's just use numbers. If the house is is a hundred thousand dollar house after repair, right? Uh, then you subtract out realtor commissions, which a lot of people forget about. I kind of start there because it's a set number. Usually, when you're selling a house at the end, at least in Michigan, it's three percent to the buying agent, three percent to the selling agent, so six percent. So you're already down six thousand dollars, right? Hundred thousand dollars minus the commission. Minus commission, which is six thousand dollars. Okay. Yep. And then I usually put in about 5% for all the closing costs and taxes and, and things like that. So that's another $5,000. So are these closing costs for me buying the property or for it, when I'm selling the property? This is for you, for you when you're selling the property. Okay. All right. And now, now so, those, okay, those closing costs come from something that the, when I'm selling the property, the buyer is probably going to ask me for money and stuff, right? Uh, sometimes they'll ask for concessions and that's yeah. something else you have to throw in there. And that, you know, that changes with the market and things like that. I would there say was the 5% time... covers that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. The 5% yeah. should cover all that depending. I mean, I've had buyers that have asked for up to 6% concessions. So sometimes, uh, you know, it may go on the high side, but this is what I found Mike and you're in like, sounds like you're working in some lower price points when I'm working in lower price points. A lot of times they ask for anywhere from three to six percent. When I'm working in the higher price points, it's usually less or yeah. or none. <laughs> yeah, so I you just got to kind of know your area, huh? And know exactly. what they usually ask and make sure you account for that. But you are yep. correct. I've had people ask for up to six percent as well. So, yep. So you have to be careful. There was a time when I threw six percent in there because I was getting it more often than not. Because a lot of the houses that I flip are like starter level houses. So yeah. you know, a lot of those of those individuals need the the help. But I like I like five percent on the lower end. See, you're doing six and ten. I do a total of usually like ten 
percent on lower end type properties. But yeah, okay. So I'm I'm at a, I guess I'm at eleven. If you look yeah, at it, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, right? you're at, yeah, you're at eleven. So, yeah, at eleven percent, which that works. Okay. Yep. So then, so then from there, it's pretty easy. You subtract the rehab, right? So let's just say the rehab's twenty thousand dollars on this particular house. That's going to sell for a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the day. Okay. All right. How did you come up with the rehab? Did your contractor figure that out, or do you just know it? No, the contractor's coming up with. It. I mean, I come up with it now. I use my own numbers, but when you're new, for sure, you're going to bring your con- the contractors that you pre-screened in that first house that you really didn't own yet. And then once you buy the house, you're going to take those three contractors that you sort of like sift and sorted and got your shortlist, and they're going to go through and while you have the house under contract, right? So as soon as you get it, oh, I, I see what you're saying. We're talking prior to yeah, even prior we'll to it having it under contract. Right. Okay. So you're going to have to use round figures for that. You're not going to have numbers on that particular, on every house that you make an offer on. So I would say, it, you know, it really depends, but I, I guess think we, don't, we number, could talk an hour on about rest. I know. Repairs, I know. Right? That's what I'm thinking. So. I'm trying to think how to, how to say this succinctly, but, um, those, there's a lot of different ways you can you know do it. What? I'll do another podcast on us new repairs. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, a, <laughs> that's it, but you know what? That's a huge thing, Justin. It is I mean, huge. and you know, it, not, not to com- keep plugging, not to plug my mastermind again, but I am going to make about 50 videos on, um, how I analyze properties, like show people how I analyze properties and how we estimate repairs. Like that's like one of the main parts of my mind. I just think it's so important. So yeah, anyway. it, it's huge. You know, and the thing is, is this is a thing that gets me sometimes is I, I've not been a new real estate investor for so long that sometimes I go through things and I go, wait a minute, that that isn't totally obvious to someone who's new. For sure. So when I'm comping a house, I do it so fast now that I don't think about it. But you're right. You know, there's different rules of thumb you can use. And I've heard you mention some too. I know in my area, if I basically take this square footage times like 18, okay. that's pretty close to yeah. where my rehab is going to okay. be. Perfect. Um, you know, and it depends on the, the the quality or the you know the state of the house yeah. and what what condition it's in. But you know, you I guess for numbers for for the sake of talking, you could take square footage times twenty probably and and be in the ballpark. You yeah. know, you know that's but like you said, that's a whole that's a whole hour discussion in and of itself for sure. And there are ways. Look, there are ways you can find out what does it cost for paint, and you could do okay dollar per square foot for paint, and you can kind of add it up that way and. That'll right. help. You'll be educating yourself at the same time. But yep, absolutely. like Mike said, if, if you need like if the house needs quite a bit of work, but isn't like you're not changing walls or the roof or the HVAC or anything crazy. Yeah. $20 per square foot works. If it's just paint and carpet. You're probably more at about five or $10 per square foot if it's just, right. you know, a few things. So just kind of get a ballpark. Okay. Yep. So, okay. So once you have that determined, once you have the, the repair uh, cost determined, then you're just subtracting out your profit, what your profit is. Now, depending on how you figure that out, I don't do it necessarily in percentage or cash on cash. I, I have a number, like a, a hard number that I shoot for every time. I shoot for $20,000 on my, my rehabs because I'm in that hundred to $130,000 after repair value. So that makes sense. I mean, I want everyone to understand, like if you're flipping like a million dollar house, do not shoot for $20,000 profit. <laughs> exactly. Because what Mike is doing is he's shooting for a $20,000 profit. Um, and that's going to give him about a 20% return on a $20,000 house. I'm just using more or less numbers, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Mike, that's good. Are you getting those numbers? Yeah, we get those numbers. Not all the time. Dude, it's I'm, a target. I'm moving it's a target. down that way, man. But that's where, you know, but that's where you start, right? I shoot, I put 20,000 in there and that's where, how I know what to offer, right? And if they come back and they counter me and I'm going to make 18, I'm fine You'll with take that. take it, totally. I'll take it, but, that, okay. but I'm shooting for 20. Got it. Okay. 
By the way, you're welcome to come and invest around here too, Justin. We, we can work together and be a <laughs> power team in Michigan. Detroit, Mike. <laughs> Let's, Let's be clear. I don't invest in Detroit. All right. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just remember your one podcast. I listened to the whole thing yeah. was on Detroit. And I know. Anyway, all right. Yeah, we'll stay away. We weren't going to even mention that. that but. <laughs> <laughs> I love Detroit, but I, I don't invest in the city. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, cool. So what, what next, man? What next? I'm rolling here. I got my contractor. I'm networking. I got an agent. I'm starting to make offers. Oh, okay. So make back to making offers. Okay. I'm still a little bit unclear. My, my realtor that I contacted told me I need a proof of funds. How do I get that? They want to, they want to be able to show that I actually have this money. Yeah. Proof of funds. Um, that, you know, that's, there's a, <laughs> a whole other seminar, right? It's all another seminar. Um, Okay. On my first house, my proof of funds was a mortgage, right? I got a mortgage. So it, it was pretty easy for me on that one. And after that, I had I had private investors who basically would uh, you know, give me a proof of funds. It was their bank account or their, you know, self-directed IRA or whatever the case may be. Um So do I need funds, to find financing first? I don't I'm just wondering, like, what's my next step? Like, how do I make the you told me just make offers, but how do I make offers? This is a big yeah. gap for me. So that's where, to me, that's where networking and talking to people and, and partnering is really going to help you. Um, you know, like I said, for me personally, I got a mortgage. So I didn't have a hard time showing the proof of funds. And then after that, it was all private investors. Um, I don't know, Justin. Honestly, in your area, do they all require proof of funds? Is that something that you well, have to I mean, have? I actually wrote a blog post that covers this in pretty much detail. And once again, it, it kind of depends. I tell people kind of like yours, I said, what's your, what's your plan going into this? I say there's several ways you can go about it. You can, like you said, make an offer without a proof of funds and see if they ask, right? Yeah. And yeah. first of all, they're only going to need a proof of funds if it's listed. A lot of times agents will want them. But if it's like a bank owned property, like if it's privately owned, they may not, they may not even ask for proof of funds. And, or at least you can make several offers and they may not ask for one until they're going to consider or accept your offer. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there are other things you can do. You can get one from a hard money lender. Now it's kind of hard to make a cash offer and then show a proof of funds from a hard money lender. Yes. But they will give them to you. I've had people like wire money into my bank account when I was just starting. And my agreement with that guy was, Hey, I'm going to wholesale you these properties. But then you can just skip that whole part. And if you find somebody, I have people, no, don't everyone ask me for my proof of funds, but, but I have a couple of wholesalers who they will just make offers in my company name and they use my company proof of funds. Now, okay. there's another wholesaler who um, she uses my proof of funds, but she makes them in her name. And she has this like uh, letter that she like just writes up and sends with it saying that, I give her permission to use my proof of funds and I'll be funding the projects that, yeah. that we close on. I mean, that's exactly what, what I do actually, Justin. Okay. My, cool. my, yeah. my private investors, I get, you know, basically a copy of their bank statement. Yeah. And then I sent along with that, uh, basically a letter, you know, a letter that I drafted saying, I give, you know, Mike Simmons permission to make offers in real estate in my name. And, you know, I'm going to be funding the deal basically. So that's how I do it. That's the proof of funds that I use now. It's pretty simple. And then, you know, because I don't want to bug every, my the same private investor every single month, and and usually they're going to want a, one that's within like thirty days. You know, yeah. it's no more than thirty days old. So I'll just go to each private investor each month and just rotate and say, "Can you send me a proof of funds?" So I'm only bugging an individual private investor once every six months for a proof of funds. Awesome, awesome. And eventually, you know, you'll get to the point where you can have your own proof of funds. So that's yep. the goal. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And we absolutely. just try so, we try to like once a month, like you said, make sure. 
I'm like, hey, the bank account's high. Get the proof of funds now before we go yeah, buy yeah, these yeah, three houses that, tomorrow. I've done that too. Exactly. I've done that too. Yeah, right after you get paid, right? Exactly. So yeah, I mean, proof of funds is, is tricky a little bit. I mean, I know people who have, you know, said, hey, can you give me proof of funds letter or whatever? I knew to make some offers. I mean, yeah, the proof of funds really are kind of worth the, the letter's worthless, right? It just yeah. A lot of people can have a proof of funds letter not ever be able to close a deal because they don't have the money. So yeah. It's just a game you play with the banks sometimes yeah. or with the realtors. But yeah. um yeah. So yeah, proof of funds. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, people always ask, you know, you gotta, gotta it's a good it. question. It's just it's a complicated question a little bit in my yeah. opinion. It, yeah. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. And some people are uncomfortable with certain ways. So, you know, you have I, to figure I, out what you're comfortable yeah. with. Okay. Sounds good. All right. We can move on. Okay, so and and I'll link up to the the post where I just kind of laid it out there, like different ways. Yeah, I want to read that post too, so I know how to answer this question when I'm asked. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think it, it's actually a post on working with agents and uh, making offers with agents, and then a part of it is talks about proof of funds. I just go through like the five kind of different ways you can go about it. So okay, anyway. very good. Okay, cool. All right, so what what next? So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make offers. I got my proof of funds. I'm yep submitting offers is my agent submitting these for me what do i need to do how's the paperwork work what yeah that's what the agent's there for right let him okay. I, I say let him submit all the offers okay. i i don't i never worry about i don't deal with that sounds good okay yeah so yeah he's gonna submit offers for you and then uh yeah i mean as soon as you get one accepted or somebody counters is probably what's going to happen more than likely um you know that's when you have to go back to your numbers that you use that we talked about right work backward from the arv and find out if it meets your criteria, if you know when they counter, if it still falls within an acceptable uh, profit range for you, then great. I, I mean, in this business, there's a lot of singles and and there's very few home runs, in my opinion. Uh-huh. So you know, if your target's twenty thousand, like mine is, and and you get a house accepted, an offer accepted, where you think you can make fifteen, and you turn it down because twenty is your target, stop real estate investing immediately. Go and do yeah. something else because you're not really serious because totally, that, totally. that uh, that's an acceptable situation. And once again, that's going off of the numbers Mike is talking about. Yeah, yeah. Going you off, do not exactly. want to, if you're making, doing a $500,000 house, you don't want to shoot for 15,000 because what that means is if you, the market goes, not the market goes down, but you're $30,000 off somewhere, you're going to lose money, right? Yep, or if exactly. you're, if your holding costs is one extra month longer, two months, that's going to suck up all your potential profits. So exactly. he's talking about about a 15% return off of like a $100,000 investment, more or less. Then you should exactly. be okay with that, you know? So Yep, exactly. Um, okay, cool. Very good. So, uh, okay. So, I mean, what else? Is there anything else you got for us? I mean, what, what I mean, if you, I get the offer accepted? How far are we going to go, Justin? Yeah, I was going to well, say, let's just talk about financing real quick. I mean, if I get the offer accepted, am I lining up financing before or after I have the offer accepted or kind of during kind of how we talked about? Yeah, I would for sure do it during. And like I said, there, there's a lot of different ways that, you know, people will tell you to go. And I, I know enough about you, Justin, and, and I've heard enough of your of your podcast to know that you're very much about going and getting the job done or going and getting the offer accepted and then worry about financing later. I'm probably a little more conservative than that. Uh-huh. I usually try to get the financing ahead of time or at least during okay. I, just because I'm nervous like that. I want to make sure I have, totally. I have that set up. So yeah, I would say once you get a house under contract, absolutely, you should be going completely 100 miles an hour, presenting this to other real estate investors who might be interested in partnering with you. I think that's a great way to go. Uh, if it's truly a good deal, you should be able to find someone who's interested in partnering with you. Um, hard money lenders is another way like you talked about. That's certainly not a bad way to go when you're starting out as a hard money lender, but you should definitely be be looking for the financing. Um, I would look for it before you get a house under contract, but once you get it under contract, that should be your full-time 
you know, for sure. And I, you know, I, even if you totally disagreed with me, I would like, that's why I bring people on my show, right? Because not everyone is going to be exactly like me. But one thing I want to make clear is I don't think, you know, you go out there and just make offers and just twiddle your thumbs and wait for the offers to get accepted. No, I think you're right. always looking to looking for capital. I mean, I always talk to people about it, right? Yeah. I, it, yeah. Well, I was, cause I've just had a lot of people who they want to find this perfect contractor. They want to have all this money lined up. They want to have all these things in detail, but they've never made an offer or contact an agent. They don't know how to analyze a property. And I'm just like, you know, like you kind of got to like get this part going and then work on all that. Like if you're, I don't know, I just feel like. Yeah, I, I hear you. And the thing is, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I always worry that I have the money in place to do what I want to do. But I have also put in massive amount of offers and got a lot of houses accepted before I had enough private investors to fund it. So yeah, I, I kind of have done it both ways. So I don't want to say that I would never put an offer in on a house that I don't have the money lined up first. But when you're brand, but that was after I was had done this for a while. Yeah. I was putting in just tons of offers, and you know, somebody asked me one time, "Can you even fund all? You just got five houses accepted like in the last three days." Can you even fund all those? And I said, I don't know. I'm I'm going to, but I right now I, I can't. And if anything, you wholesale them. I mean, yeah, exactly. Mike, look, I don't even know anything about your area. I will tell you right now, I will buy a house from you if it's a good deal. <laughs> 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 and I don't buy out of state either. But you know what? I trust you. You know that's crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know I would say this, but uh, <laughs> I might ask right. you to like throw me a contractor and an agent, <laughs> but. Um, no problem. My my point is, there are people who will buy houses from you, and and once again, we talked about going to the the meetings. You know, so, so absolutely. Do you want to find someone who would either buy a house from you or someone who can fund the deal? Yes, you do. Um, but but you know, just kind of get out there and just we've talked about these three things of networking, uh, working with agents to make offers, work finding contractors, and, oh, and financing. So there's four things there. Yep. You kind of want to just always be working all those things. Uh, always. Uh, always. always. You know? and, and if, you know, to me, there's two things. If you're not getting leads and if you are not looking for money, you're focusing in the wrong areas. Those are the business. two main things. I mean, yeah, the contractor, the main- it's, it's nice to have, like you said, a couple in your back pocket um, and whatnot, but deals, 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 money, money, money. It's like one or the other. We always play the game. Do we have more deals or more money right now? What yeah, do we need to focus Exactly. On? It's a balancing act, but yeah. absolutely. Those are the main things. And you know, but it, it still is about action, right? It all boils yes. down to action. And if, if you're making t-shirts and buying business cards, you're done, you're dead. And if you're looking for deals and you're looking for money and you're taking massive action, you'll be just fine in yeah. my market, in your market, in Arizona, in Alaska, it doesn't matter. You'll do it. Yeah. And we're not saying never make business cards for the record or never make a website or any of that stuff. <laughs> I'm saying never make a business card. No, I'm just kidding. We're just saying there's just some basic cards. essential things you need to do and get going. I can't tell every time I make a business card, I like get a new phone number or a new email address and have to change it. It's so annoying. Anyway. Yeah. You know what though? Those activities, like you said, they have to be done. But the problem is people use them as a crutch, as an example of being busy in yes. their business, yep. but it's not getting them anywhere. Yep. So I say, you know, it's like a pacifier. Take it away. You know, take your blanket away, learn to walk on your own, and then you can have them back. Like, go Always. get business cards yeah. once you flipped your first house. Yeah. And that's that's cool. Yeah. Love it, Mike. I think we covered a lot of uh, of good things here. Um, All right. Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to do this again sometime. And we'll talk about after you get the house under contract and managing the rehab, because that's 
something that I that I really like talking about too. So we'll do that another time. No okay. big deal. We'll we'll get into it. But but it, that's a big part of it too. But there's a lot of ways you can screw this up. Okay. You know, it's a great business, but but there's a lot of ways you can so screw it up. So this will be just get started, take massive action, and then we'll do another episode of uh, after you get the house under contract, what to do. <laughs> yep. What do you do with this thing after you get under contract? Because man, I know you've seen people take six, eight months and you know, it looks like the Taj Mahal when they're done. And, oh, you know, yeah. by the way, they, they way overdid it or Holy. the contractor took advantage of them or never showed up. or Holy. All right, Mike. I love it. Okay. If anyone has any questions, I don't know about it. I'm sure you're on board with this about how to just get started in real estate. Um, first of all, you can go to housemanghq.com slash episode 32 for the show notes. I'm sure Mike would love to jump on there and answer any questions you have as well. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And then Mike, how can people uh, follow? You have a great podcast and website. How can people get in touch with you or find more about, about what you're doing? Uh, a couple ways. You can go to my website at juststartrealestate.com. And if you go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash iTunes, it'll take you to my podcast. Um, and I encourage everyone, if you want to check it out, please do. Or you can email me directly at mike at juststartrealestate.com. Awesome, Mike. You are the man. I appreciate everything you delivered today. And we will talk to you soon, my friend. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. Okay, bye. All right. That was a pretty good interview. I That might be one of my favorites, actually. I know there's a lot of good interviews. I really shouldn't qualify it like that. Uh, just really quickly, again, I wanted to remind you. This is Mark, by the way. You heard me in the beginning. I just wanted to remind you about the house flipping webinar that will be on March 27th, Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. I really hope you get out there. It's, it's a great way to just get some great free information about house flipping, to learn a little bit about what's going on with Justin's business, and to ask questions, as many questions as you want. Sky's the limit. He might regret that I'm saying this, but really just like, if you have questions between now and then, in the next two weeks, write them down on a piece of paper. And then when you come to the webinar, just have them all ready and just, you know, pelt them out. And then what we do is we, we have a little chat box and you enter in your questions there if you have any while he's talking. And then I collect them all. And then at the end, I give him all the questions and he talks. So he's going to regret me saying this, but go ahead and just give us all your questions. Um, odds are he will answer some of the questions just by virtue of his presentation. But uh, we really hope we see you there. Uh, looking forward to it. And I think that's it for this episode. It's been great to have you here listening and hope you can take massive action towards your dreams. Until next time, as Justin always says, see you on the flip side. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com. Every day you make offers And suddenly an ARV MLS seems forever It never goes the way you feel this is flipping, and every single day, properties go away. 
frustration But if you don't give up You will make a buck And then you'll find a turn of luck no matter where you steer, no matter where you steer, no matter what you hear, no matter what you hear, ideas around the corner, you just have to persevere. No matter what you find, no matter what you find, there is no peace of mind. There is no peace when of mind. When they get a contract to sign that contract, and everything is fine. Do do do, da this is flipping in every single day Properties go away Frustration, but if you don't give up You will make a buck And then you'll find a turn of luck Listen close to this podcast Learn a lot All you got Read the blog and make some contacts It's up to you HFHQ